Hello, and welcome to another episode of Theology-ish. My name is Ryan, one of your hosts, and I am joined today, as always, by our co-host, William. Hello, Ryan. How you doing? I am pretty good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. And it also just occurred to me, I slightly botched this intro. Would you like to tell us what this podcast is about, William? Well, this podcast, as you might guess based on the name Theology-ish, is about theology primarily, but it's also about biblical studies, philosophy, uh, church history, and, uh, well, that's really all we've talked about so far, but I suppose we could talk about other things, too. Uh, I'm sure in the future here we'll get into, like, some philosophy and some other stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look into some literature, read Frankenstein, talk about the theology of Frankenstein. That could be fun. Uh, something we have talked about already is... Uh, for like a Halloween episode, we could do like a cryptid episode and talk about Bigfoot or something. Yeah, the theology of Bigfoot. Yeah, uh, yeah. and Halloween's coming up really soon too. So True. Perhaps the next time we record, maybe so. We'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that when we're not recording. Yeah. Um, so today on this episode of Theology Ish, we will be talking about sin. Um, but before we start talking about sin, Ryan. Yes. Last time we recorded, we talked about the Didache. We did. And when we were reading through it, there's a part on prayer that says the Christian ought to say three Our Fathers every day. And we kind of talked about whether or not we should do that. And I dared you. You did. I dared you to... Do three Our Fathers a day, um, and then we'd circle back and and see how that's been for you. So, how's that been? Well, a uh, little peek behind the curtain about our recording process. We sit down and record more than one episode at a time because we don't have time to meet up every single week and record. Uh, so, it's it's been about three weeks since the last time we sat down and recorded an episode. So, I... I have, in fact, been doing three Our Fathers almost every day for about three weeks. Um, there's There's been a couple of days there I, I missed some. But for the Shameful. most part, I, I've been at it three times a day almost every day for three weeks. And I, I've got to say, in a weird way, it it feels right, if that makes sense. I... You know, at first it was a bit, you know, repetitious and, you know, oh, here we go again and I've got to do another Our Father and uh, re- repeat the whole thing and, and go through the motions. But after after about a week or so there, I, I kind of got into a groove with it, I feel like, and I, I feel deep down in my soul, genuinely, that it, it's, it's, it's right. I, it's, it's doing something and it feels right. And I'm not sure what that something is just yet, but it feels good. It feels okay. right. Good. I, I'm glad. Yeah, um, I, I feel like it is enriching to my spirit. So are are you about to like go and buy a rosary and join the Catholic Church or something? No, no, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to buy a rosary and join the Catholic Church. I yeah, I'm good. But no, I've I've been genuinely enjoying it and. I encourage you to maybe do the same in in the future and and maybe see how you feel about it. Yeah, I'm, I've been thinking it about giving it a shot. Because um, uh, I, I think I'm going to keep doing it, honestly, yeah, I, and, I, and see where it goes. Did I mention in the Didache episode uh, that Tertullian of Carthage says the same thing about saying three Our Fathers every day? Uh, do you remember? Because I... I can't rightfully remember. I don't know that you did. Okay, because Tertullian of Carthage, who wrote around 200-ish, so about 100 years after the Didache, give or take, um, he says the same thing, that Christians ought to say three Our Fathers every day. Um, and I th- I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a try this between now and you know now, now I'm daring you. Okay, I'm daring you to do Jeez. three hour fathers every day between now and the next time we record, and the next time I'll ask you how that went for you and and well, how that is. All right, I've been dared. It's official, so I'll try to remember. Anyway, so I'm glad to hear that that's doing something for you. Um, 
any idea what that something is or can't quite put your finger on it? I can't quite put my finger on it yet. Okay. And I I think I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing it until I figure out what that something is. Um, Something I have found as a result of this is I've found myself doing a little bit of theology because of it, interestingly. Elaborate. Now that I'm doing three-hour fathers every day, I found that as I'm praying it, it it becomes more and more interesting and clear to me. And that as I do it, I find myself starting to pick apart, okay, our father. Father. What is what is the father? What does that mean? Yeah, the contemplative uh, yeah. Uh, way of doing I, theology I, that I we talked about. I found myself starting to yeah. do that yeah. as I pray this prayer. And in a way, that that itself has been very, uh, very beneficial in helping understand the Lord's Prayer better, which is which is great. Yeah, that is great. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I, I do feel like there's something deep in my soul that it's doing, and I'm not sure what it is yet. And hopefully soon I'll be able to put my finger on it. But All right, sweet. Well, I'm glad that's, that's going well for you, man. Um, and hopefully it goes well for me as I follow in your footsteps and say three Our Fathers every day for... Between now and our next recording. Um, yeah. Anyway. Sin. Sin, which is different. Than, it sure is. Than uh, what we've been talking about so far. Why don't you, real quick, Ryan, tell me what sin is. Well, sin is an act that is in opposition of the of God, of the Trinity. It is something you do that is in opposition to what is holy and what is perfect in God, I, I think is a pretty simple way of putting it. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, so usually when we talk about sin, we think of it as a very uh, Christian or perhaps even a Jewish category. Um, but it's not distinctly Jewish and not distinctly Christian. Um, the ancient Greeks in some of their writings talk about sin in similar wording. Um, you've probably heard a pastor before in a sermon mention that sin, that the ancient Greek word for it comes from an archery term that means to miss the target. You ever yes, heard that? Yes, I have heard yeah. that. Yeah, so it... That idea of there is a way that you ought to behave, and if you do not behave that way, then you are in some kind of opposition to how it ought to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. And for like, depending on what culture you're coming out of, if you're like an ancient Greek Spartan, they might say that running away from battle is sinful, right? Mm. Or I believe in the Iliad, in the Odyssey, we see mention of like Odysseus committing a sin by being cowardly at one point. Um, and if you were an Athenian, you would be said to be sinful by not participating in uh, the vote because sure they were democratic and if yeah. everyone had to be participating in that process yeah. right so it, it's bigger than just a jewish thing or christian thing and i say that because there are those both within and without of the church nowadays who make arguments that sin is a category that's illegitimate, right? And those people are ignoring the fact that sin is not a distinctly Jewish or Christian category. It is a category that most human cultures acknowledge. Okay. Is that fair? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I... Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't I don't really have anything in particular to say about that uh funnily enough, but that that does make sense. Um Yeah, in in the Christian/Jewish slash context, sinning, well, for 
we'll start with Jewish sinning, because I'd say that that's different than Christian sinning. Yes. So you have the law, and Jewish sinning is when you transgress the law, the Torah, whereas Christian sinning is different than that, because we are allowed to eat pork and shrimp and if you really wanted, I suppose you could eat a vulture. Those are not kosher animals to eat. Um, I wouldn't want to eat a vulture, but... Well, according to Barnabas, you also shouldn't eat hares or weasels. Well, he interprets that allegorically, remember? That you don't eat the hare and the weasel. That's true. And we, we haven't read reasons. that on the podcast yet, so we'll we'll get that to that in another episode, yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll talk um, about that some other day. Um, he <laughs> interprets the law of the Torah allegorically, and he interprets the dietary laws allegorically, and he says that you don't eat particular animals because we're not supposed to behave in the ways that these animals behave, but he has some very peculiar ideas about the reproduction process of rabbits and hyenas um, and yeah. weasels and whatnot, but we'll... We'll get there. We'll talk about that some other time. Uh, so... Sin for the Jew is transgression of the law, and sin for the Christian isn't, because we don't have a law, right? So then, what? why, what is sinful? If we don't have a law... Well, I... I have some, some news for you, William. Okay. Which is that we as Christians do have a law, and that <laughs> law's name... Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man. Okay. So. But he, he, it's not written out as like a code of ethics. No, no, it's yeah. not. But um, we're, we're going to be getting to this in the next episode in, in more depth, actually. But Jesus came to fulfill the law because he himself was the written, not the written word, but he was the word of God. He is the living word of God and came to fulfill that law, to free us from that law. But Jesus himself is now the new covenant, is the new law. And so I, I think it's fair to say then that now that we've been freed from the old law of, of the Old Testament, of the Torah, it's fair to say that for us Christians who, who aren't, you know, Messianic Jews— that sin in turn is still a transgression of the law, the law being Jesus Christ. Unpack that for me a bit. If, if Jesus is the law, right? Mm -hmm. He has become mm -hmm. the new law and the new covenant through, through his sacrifice on the cross and subsequent resurrection. Sin for us would then be to turn away from or commit an act that is in opposition to Christ. And if Christ is the law, that means that those transgressions are in opposition to the law. So perhaps you could say that Jesus presents us with a way we ought to be. Yes. Right? Which is how he be. Which is how he be, and he describes the way we ought to be in various places, chiefly the Sermon on the Mount and also the Sermon on the Plains. But he also demonstrates the way we ought to be just through his example of how he behaves in the world. His various parables. Yeah. So he demonstrates how we ought to be, and if we are faithful to that, then we are not sinning. And if we are unfaithful to the teachings of Christ, then you could be said to be in sin. Yes. Yes. I, I think that's a fair interpretation. And perhaps we can unpack that more throughout the course of this episode. And Well, have at it, man. Here's a box cutter. Go for it. Oh, unpack man. it. Man. Oh. Open that bad boy up. Let's Let's get to it, man. Uh, all right. I mean, we can sure try. <laughs> yeah, unpack that for me. Whew, Let's man, you're, circle back. Man, you're really putting me on the spot here. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, man. I. Uh, <laughs> we we don't have to. Talk yeah, about I, that. I think maybe if we could we could move on. I yeah, think we can we'll, move on and come back to that yeah, later. I, I think once we've had some time to discuss this and marinate on it, maybe it'll it'll be easier to oh literate. 
what what that means. Yeah. So, um, Christ gives us commandments, right? And we as Christians ought to be faithful to that. And we all know that Christians are supposed to have faith in Christ, right? Yeah. And for some reason, when we say have faith in Christ, we think of that in terms of belief or mental assent. Sure. Now, if you are faithful to your wife— does that mean that you mentally assent that she is the daughter of her parents? No. I'm so dumb. why is yeah. being faithful to Christ about mentally assenting that he is the son of God? Mm. If you are faithful to your wife, is that about mentally assenting that she is fully a human? No. no, no, it's not. If you are faithful to your wife, it means that you behave in a particular way that is faithful. Thankfully, we have a verse that lays this out very plainly for us that, that we can point to, which is faith without works is dead. Yeah, James, uh, whatever chapter, whatever verse, because I don't remember offhand, but... Neither do I, unfortunately. Yeah, but it's, it's in James. A faith without works is dead. And I think that sort of gets to the heart of this matter, which is faith in Christ is not simply belief. It's not just saying, yep, Jesus is the son of God, and I've accepted that. It's also what you do with that knowledge and how you behave and act as a result of having known that knowledge. Right. And another text from the Holy Scripture that teaches us this is when Jesus says, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will be saved, but those who have, you know, given food to the hungry, given drink to the thirsty, visited people in prison— or the way Jesus puts it is those who gave me food and gave me clothes and visited me in prison and took care of me when I was sick. Whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me also, right? So even in that, in what from the horse's mouth itself, and by the horse I mean Jesus, you have to do both. And it's it's more than that too. You see it when Jesus is speaking of the Pharisees in the Gospels. In which he states, these men praise me with their mouths, but truly I say to you, I do not know them. Yeah, and like their hearts are far from me and stuff. Yes. And, and we understand what faithfulness means implicitly when we're talking about our spouses. When I say I am faithful to my wife, we all understand that there is an element of behavior attached to it. But when we talk about Jesus, for some reason— we forget what faithfulness means, right? Yeah. So faithfulness for us as married men means I'm not going to go sleep around with other women or look at a woman with lustful eyes. And it, it I mean, it's, that's part of it. it. Yes. And on some level, like, I'm not going to, I don't know, go and buy a motorcycle behind my wife's back. Yeah. It would be unfaithful to betray her trust like that, right? And we understand this so simply, so on the nose when it's about that. And here's another example. The, uh, do you know the motto for the Marines? I believe Semper Fi? Semper Fi, yeah. which is short for Sempre Fidelis, which is Latin for forever faithful. Yes. Right? And... We know implicitly what it means when one Marine says to another Marine, simplify. We know what they mean by that, right? And it would be, you would never expect them to say that and mean, yeah, man, simplify. I just like believe that Marines are cool. I believe that yeah. being a Marine is important, man. That would no, that's not what that means, and we know it. But when we talk about it in a religious context, we forget what faithfulness means for some reason. 
And I, I don't know why that is. I don't even have a theory for why that is, but, but we do. Um, so sin is when you do the opposite of faithfulness. And as a Christian, for all of us in our own contexts and in our own walks, faithfulness looks a little bit different. Um, this is where, I believe it's in Romans where Paul talks about how the law is written on our hearts, right? Yes. Um, and it's not that what the right thing to do is relative or different for different people, but the right thing for what you need to do and the right thing for what I need to do might practically look a bit different. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. We're we're still coming out of the same ethical place. We're still coming out of the same ethical bedrock, which is the teachings of Christ. And out of that, as we work it out in our lives— it looks different because you might have a different financial position than I do, or you might find yourself uh, in a context where you're around people who are, I don't know, parts of gangs or something way more often than I find myself around people who are parts of gangs. So for you, faithfulness looks like helping people get out of gangs because you're around gang members all the time. Sure. And that's not the kind of thing that I do, and it doesn't make me unfaithful because I'm not helping people out of gang life. Is that fair? Does that make sense? Yeah, and, you know, I think of, like, I think of missionaries, uh, even today, who are, you know, going over to third world countries or sub-Saharan African tribes or remote islands out in the Pacific or wherever, and they're going out and spreading the word of Jesus to people who have literally never heard it. And some of these people are in the most literal sense being killed for their faith. They're being martyred. They're being hung. They're being beheaded. They're being burned at the stake. The lucky ones. Yes. In, in a weird <laughs> way. Well, I mean, cause there are worse ways to die than getting beheaded. It's true. There, there are some terrible ways to go out. Um, regardless, you know, that is an extremely noble and faithful thing to do. And we need people. Let me really emphasize this. We need people like that in the body. But that doesn't mean we all have to be that part of the body. And we shouldn't all be that part of the body. A body that's a bunch of hands is just a big pile of hands. It's not a body. <laughs> and it's terrifying to look at. <laughs> It's a big pile of hands, oh, Ryan, man. or one giant hand, but it's still I not like, a functioning body. Yeah. It's a bunch of hands in the shape of a person. That hand man. The, the new, hand man, yes. The newest Marvel s- superhero. I was going to say that's the next like Halloween movie coming to you soon, the hand man. The hand man in a world <laughs> where everyone wants to be a missionary to Africa. <laughs> It's a big pile of hands shaped like a guy. This is our big break, (laughs) William. This is how we make our million. (laughs) Anyway. I'm dead. I'm dead, bro. Um, Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, sin is when we are not acting in accordance with the law that is written on our hearts and when we are not being faithful to the things of Christ. Now... Ryan. William. Ryan. Yes. I have a question for you. And I might have an answer for you. Do you remember that part in the Bible? Well, parts, really, because Jesus says this several times. Mm -hmm. He heals somebody or forgives their sins or whatever. Yes. And then he goes, go and sin no more. He sure did say that a lot. Yeah, he says that a lot if you read the Gospels carefully. Not even particularly carefully. If you just, if read, you them. just read them and look at what it says. He says that a couple times. And at another part, he says, be perfect. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount where he does the the part where he talks about uh, the whoever did, did this for the least of these has done it for me also. 
He says, therefore, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Mm. With these things taken together that Jesus says, go and sin no more. And he also commands us, not asks politely, but commands us to be perfect as the father in heaven is perfect. Is it possible for us to stop sinning? I've I've got a few things to say about this. Please say all of them. The first of those things is is a question in response to your question, which okay. is have you ever in your life in your 26, 27? Uh 20 26. Yeah, 20 and your 26 years of life. Have you ever met a member of the church body whom you can confidently say met met Jesus? came to faith in Christ, and then never sinned again. Can you name one? I don't know people's hearts, Ryan. That feels like a cop-out, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'm yeah. kind of copping out. Yeah. But I see where you're going with yes. this. Uh, and I, I say that because I... I am fairly confident in saying that I've never met someone like that. Maybe I'm wrong. And if I were, I wouldn't know. But to the best of my knowledge, I have not. And I'm not saying that that's proof that you can't stop, that you can can or can't stop. I'm not saying that that proves it either way or the other. It is interesting, though, that given the, the sheer number of Christians that we have interacted with in the short time that we have spent on this earth. To the best of my knowledge, I've never met someone who has accomplished such a task. That's interesting. And again, maybe I'm wrong and I just don't know it, but... Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Mm. Man, I just so got scripture. I'll, I'll let you... That, well, that's not from scripture... Oh, wasn't it? No, it's just. Oh, I saw you open your Bible and look at it, and then say that. So I was like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm looking for a, a text here. Okay. Um, in Acts chapter 10, Peter and Cornelius. So Peter goes to the centurion uh, Cornelius, and he's kind of like, "Ew, gross Gentiles, icky. I don't want to. I don't want to hang with them." But. He has this vision where this big old tablecloth. Let me see if I can find it exactly. Okay. Chapter 10, verse 11, book of Acts. He, Peter, saw the heavens opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven, which I love. Even though Peter's more mature in this story than he is in the Gospels, God still has this interaction with him three times in a row, oh, where he's yeah. like, I'm not doing that. And he's like, Peter, you are do it anyway. Usually, this verse is looked at, and people are like, "Yeah, man, this is why Christians are cool with eating pork. It's why it's not a sin yeah. for us to have shrimp, scrimps, bugs of the sea, delicious bugs." Um, I sure do love crab and lobster. Yeah, yeah, good old sea roaches. Anyway, that's usually how we talk about it. But that part there, what I have called clean, do not call unclean mm. right which i don't know man if i i don't know if the uh puritan impulse to wallow around and talk about how bad and sinful we are is the right move right okay because if god has pro- either the work of christ was sufficient or it and it wasn't. did something to you, and you are now clean of your sins, and you were forgiven when you asked, and you have been made a holy member of the body of Christ. Or not. 
And if you have, then maybe stop wallowing around talking about how all your works are nothing but filthy rags. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Just as a thought. Yes. I'm not now I wouldn't take an airsoft bullet for this. Yeah. Right? I'm not saying that people can in fact stop sinning because although I copped out by saying I don't know people's hearts, the truth is I don't think I've ever met anyone that has stopped sinning. Yeah. I don't think I have. Maybe I did. Well I don't know. But is it possible? Is it a well, thing that on this side of the eschaton we could stop sinning and you could be holy? Allow me to actually answer the question this time with not a question. All right. Um, I, I'm I'm going to to say this. This is what I believe, and I could be wrong. So don't take what I'm saying as truth or law because it's not. This is what I believe. I do believe it's possible because I believe that to deny the possibility of that would be to blaspheme the spirit. And I say that because if Jesus Christ, the same Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead, who raised others from the dead, who cured sicknesses and blindness and lameness and leprosy, who turned water into wine, who allowed Peter to walk on the water, if that Jesus and the spirit which he has given to us is not sufficient for us to be capable of not sinning anymore, I believe, I, I feel like anyway, that would be a blaspheming of the spirit and the capabilities there within. Because the Holy Spirit and Christ are capable of anything. And to deny that would be to deny Christ and his, his holiness. Yeah, I see, I see where you're going with that's, that. Um, that's how I feel about it. In Paradise Lost by Milton, he has this phrase that he uses in reference to Satan. Sufficient to stand and free to fall. Yes. Um, and I think that that is the case for all Christians. I, I don't think it is the case for non-Christians because I don't think that non-Christians have the capacity to engage in a way that is not bent towards sinfulness. Sure. Right? Because the, the will of... The will of God is for us to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with him, um, and to exhibit faith, hope, and love, right? And especially the faith, hope, and love, right? That, that's coming from 1 Corinthians where Paul – but before it, like we like to talk about the faith, hope, and love thing, but we always ignore the fact that in the chapter preceding this, Paul is talking about spirits Spiritual gifts. He sure is. Right? He talks about speaking in tongues. He talks about healing people with diseases. He talks about uh, being able to fight demons real good. He talks about all this stuff. And he ends it by saying, but out of all of these, the best spiritual gifts are faith, hope, and love. And when we are exhibiting faith, hope, and love, we are acting in accordance with the teachings of Christ. Right? Yeah. And the non-Christian does not have access to faith, hope, and love any more than they have access to speaking in tongues, to prophecy, or miraculous healings of people. Sure. Or any of the other the spiritual exercising gifts. of demons. Yeah, they don't have access to that stuff because they do not have the Holy Spirit. Um, so, as Christians, we get access to these things and we are able to... Um, live a life that isn't necessarily sinful. We become sufficient to stand, right? Yeah. But despite becoming sufficient to stand through the Holy Spirit, we maintain freeness to fall. Yeah. And that, does that make sense? It does. And I, I think that's, that's the heart of the matter is that the Holy Spirit and Christ and God, the father, the Trinity are more than sufficient for us to be capable of that. However, in order to attain such a thing would require an incredible amount of faith, an incredible resilience, because man, is it easy to sin. Man, is it easy to fall down. You know, um, when, 
there there are certain folk in the history of the church that when you read the accounts of their lives and their stories and sometimes the stories of their martyrdoms, it makes you wonder if they managed to pull it off. Um, because there are people who are live their lives with such a degree of earnestness and dedication to Christ and his teachings that I wonder if they managed to stop sinning. I haven't, but maybe one day, maybe after saying three Our Fathers every day. Maybe. Um, that'll point me in the right direction. Maybe that's what I'm feeling deep in maybe my soul. Maybe so. Maybe you are being made anew. <laughs> And will one day stop sinning almost as a direct result of uh, Three Our Fathers. And, you know, I feel like it would be poor in in spirit. It would be a disservice to yourself not to think along that line. Along the line that you can stop yes, sinning? Yes, because if I hold to the idea that I can stop sinning through Christ and his finished work— Man, that's exciting. That gives me hope. But if I don't, well, man, I mean, I guess I'm going to keep sinning anyway, so I guess I'll just sin and sin boldly, as it was once put by by a prominent church member once. And Old Martin Luther. Yes, I'll, I'll sin and sin boldly and just be okay with the fact that by asking forgiveness in Christ, that will be sufficient to wash those sins away. But that is significantly more depressing than thinking about the idea that, no, man, his work is already finished. And because of that, I don't have to sin anymore. Yeah, it's almost a a baptized nihilism that you are but filthy rags, and that is (laughs) but filthy. (laughs) Well, I didn't mean like like but filthy. I meant like... Only yeah. filthy. You are only filthy yeah. rags, and that is wh- all you've got. It's it's kind of like just last night. You, me, and a friend of ours were discussing Calvinism and kind of dunking on it. We were we were dunking on Calvinism for a while, and one of the things we talk about is Calvinism's one of their core beliefs being predestination and the elect who are predetermined to go to heaven and those who aren't. It completely tears apart any need for the faith because well if you're elect you're elect cool if you're not well tough luck buddy you're damned to the eternal hellfire i guess sucks for you man maybe being created better one of the things we talked about (laughs) was if that's the case why why have faith in christ why why live your life dedicated to the church if well doesn't matter anyway why not just go out and live your life up man do drugs have sex and have have fun and even if you are an elect do it anyway because you're still elect exactly you're not going to and there's no uh there's no just reward or just punishment within predestination now and the calvinist will say that it is just Right? Sure. Because God made the soul in such a way that it is either deserving of mercy or deserving of justice, and they become an eternal monument to God's grace in those who are elect for heaven, and an eternal monument to God's justice in those that are elect for hell. And I don't know, man. That just no. sounds mean. M- moving away from Calvinism, though. It, yeah, we'll I talk feel about like that some other day. It's almost in the same vein where if you take the approach that, oh, I can never stop sinning. It's like, oh, well, shoot. Guess I'll sin anyway because I can't stop, right? Right. There is no hope for me to stop. So the best I can do is sin anyway and just ask God for forgiveness. Yeah. And- but if you don't take that approach... It's this whole new mindset of I can stop sinning and that's what I should be striving for. And uh, that gives us freedom, right? I've had this conversation before with a a good friend of mine about how free will and sin seem to go hand in hand. And he pointed out 
that for most people, sinning isn't something that they really choose to do. It's something that they almost are compelled to do. They are unable to stop themselves from going out and banging someone that they're not married to. They're Mm. unable to stop themselves from looking at boobies on the internet. They're unable to stop themselves from going and getting absolutely sloshed or from stealing that thing or whatever else it is that they're doing. Free will comes in our ability to do otherwise than to sin. And it is Christ who gives us freedom, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. And man, I hate that argument so much for a lot of reasons, but man, scripture talks about that. Look, man, if you can't, if you can't stop looking at naked ladies, if you can't stop banging people, gouge your eyes out. That's yeah. what scripture tells you to do. You, you can stop. Gouge or, them out. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you can stop. You have the freedom to cut it out. But you won't. are you willing to do what it takes? Mm-hmm. And so you know, I, I think that's a very poor argument. Um, regardless, but do, do you get what I'm saying? Though? Yeah, like I know what you mean. Um, you are either going to sin from some degree of compulsion, or you are going to choose to do otherwise, and you can only choose to do otherwise through Christ. Right? Yeah. There, I'm trying to remember. What then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? And in the Greek, it's more or less um, no followed by 15 exclamation points. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's mede. And you use mede when you're trying to say, uh, I suppose in the English, pardon my my language, but uh, hell no is yeah. what Paul is saying. That that might be a, a good way to translate that because it is with the utmost emphasis, no. Yeah. So Paul seems to think that we ought to stop sinning. Well, I, at I'm least even, on some level. I'm even drawn to James in which as I mentioned briefly in a previous episode, was written because the church was dispersed because there was some persecution going on and Stephen, who was a prominent church leader, was martyred in association with Christ. And so the church kind of ran away, went here, there, and everywhere. So James wrote this letter to say, hey, stop sucking, come back to Rome, and do the faith the right way. Jerusalem. Thank you. Sorry. Yes, Jerusalem. Uh, And said, hey, stop doing that. Come back and do it the right way. And in one of the passages in James, in which he's telling people how to do things, uh, he starts talking about the things they've been doing, which they shouldn't be doing. And he, he asks the question in one of those verses, for these things, should I commend you? And, and he very, very boldly says, no, for these things, I will not commend you. Uh, and in my translation, it says, no, exclamation point. No, I will not commend you. And I think he's getting to the heart of the same issue. Stop sinning. Stop doing these things and do it the right way. Yeah, And, and this is not to in any way be legalistic or um, Pelagian, uh, it, but... For us as Christians who desire to follow after the things of Christ, um, we ought to do that. If you desire the things of Christ, go after the things of Christ and go after them whole hog. Don't, don't. Yeah. I, I think the takeaway there is, how should I word this? The takeaway is don't, don't excuse yourself. Don't don't use your faith as an excuse to sin. That's that just is a blaspheming of the spirit first of all. But second of all, you should attain for sinlessness following Christ, right? Which all, all for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We will all have sinned. But once you've had what Christ has given to you, you should chase after a now sinless life. That's what we ought to do. And I don't know, man. 
don't don't go around acting like oh I don't have a choice. I've got to sit. No, you don't. You are making a conscious choice to do that. And that's not what we should do. Yeah. So if you are sinning, stop doing that. The one, the one saving grace we do have is that through Christ Jesus, we are given forgiveness for our sins, old and new. Don't use that as an excuse. Don't use that to say, that's why I keep sinning. But if you do sin, you have the assurance in that through your faith in Christ Jesus, we do have forgiveness. But you still ought to chase after not sinning anymore. Yeah, it's like when we were reading the Didache, it talks about how um, if the whole teachings of Christ are too much for you, what you can do, do that. Yeah. You know? And this is not like a... You go from being a sinner, and then you convert, and all of a sudden you're never going to sin again, and you're all honky-dory, and it's good. It's a process, and we grow, and we learn, and you know, you might have a besetting sin that you're struggling with now, and in 15 years, you will be struggling with an entirely different sin. Um, but take heart, because it's probably possible for you to stop sinning. And, and maybe one day you will, if you keep uh, pursuing Christ and pursuing yeah. his, uh, I, his teachings. I think a good comparison to make is, an, is a newborn baby, right? You, you met Jesus. You accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're now a newborn baby in Jesus Christ. Awesome. What's, what's the first thing a baby has to learn to do? Well, it has to learn to sit up straight by itself has to learn how to sit up right yes you, you got to get over that first hurdle then what is it at well it has to start crawling and it's got it to walk other stuff and then it has to learn to speak and one day it'll learn math it, it has to learn to feed itself it has to learn to put its clothes on how to bathe itself no one is going to come into the faith and then suddenly be made be well it says we are made perfect in Jesus Christ, but no, no one is going to come in and then lead the perfect life. That, that, that's not going to happen. It's a process. And it's one that we can all take refuge in knowing that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are willing to walk with us. Um, I am friends with a fellow who is friends with an Eastern Orthodox priest. Okay. Um, and he, does he have a big beard? He does have a big beard. Yeah. So he had this Eastern Orthodox priest come to our church to, to talk to us one, sure. one night. And he was a, a very nice gentleman. Um, I got to talk to him afterwards about some various things, but he shared with us his story about this time he had gone to confession because the Eastern Orthodox practice confession. Yeah. He had gone to his confessor and he was confessing his sins and he's like crying about it and he says that he thinks to himself oh this is this is a really good confession i'm crying i feel really bad this is great um so he's like crying about his sins and he's confessing and after he gets it all out the priest that he was talking to looks at him and he says who do you think you are and he's like Ooh. what and he goes do you think you are Christ? You're not Christ. You're going to sin. Now, mm. do better, but you are going to sin. You are not Jesus. Mm. And he's right. We're not Jesus. We're not perfect, and we're not going to be, but we ought to pursue that, and we ought to pursue it with earnestness. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about sin and how we ought to not do it. So, yeah. Yeah. So th those are some thoughts on sin. Some of them are better challenging. Others. Yeah, some are better than others. Some <laughs> of them are challenging. I hope that was challenging. I hope it was helpful. I hope um, it was convicting to some to some degree. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I feel a little convicted after talking about this for 45 minutes. I'm like, "Oh, jeez. <laughs> Dang it." Oh, um, man. <laughs> Dang it, I need to work on some stuff. Um, but I am not Christ, and I, I, I'm going to have failures and faults, but that doesn't keep me from 
striving after no. perfection. And you want to you wanna know some great news, though, William? What? It's that Christ's name has been signed on your forehead. It's true. And it's true. There's not much closer to being Christ that you could possibly get. Are you into theosis now? Well, we'll talk about that mm. on some other episode. Mm. That is all for today. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, give us a five-star review. Or... I've actually got a quick announcement as we oh, close out yes. here, which is very exciting, which is that we have expanded our streaming platform uh, basis. So we're no longer just on YouTube and Spotify. You can now also find us on Samsung Podcast, on Podcast Index, um, a few others. I don't have the list right in front of me, unfortunately. Apple Podcasts? No, and no? I'm so we mad. Didn't get Apple so, Podcasts. Look, I'm, I'm going to go on a quick rant about this because this makes me so mad. I've been trying to get us on Apple Podcasts for like a month now, and every time I try to sign up, it doesn't freaking work, dude. It's... Three hours later. I need a verification code. So, all that to say, we are not on Apple Podcasts, but we are on a bunch of other uh, streaming services. Yeah, because Apple Podcasts, maybe someday. Still didn't if we work for out. some reason. So, we're working on it. Yeah, so whatever you're listening to us on, please leave a. Uh, like review subscribe whatever comment comment and uh we would appreciate that it'll help us in the algorithm and if you don't want to do that share us with a friend who you think might enjoy this yeah any other things you want to reach us about you can reach us at theologyish at gmail.com if you have uh perhaps specific requests on on episode ideas or, or if you wanted to cry us as heretics for being semi-pelagian you know that's cool too yeah or if you want to send us an article that you think says something better than we did you know, I, I would whatever. love to read it I, I yeah believe it or not we know very little no <laughs> We're, we're doing our best here. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.